There once was a time when movies could wax philosophical about love and spout theories about the world of romance that sound deep and profound, until you realize that those concepts only exist to justify the sad, sorry state you're in. Worry not though, because we're here to prove to you that all is not lost and that Dog Park is not that bad. Welcome, welcome one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, grades in B, movies. And I think we're feeling a little, not nostalgic, but well, nostalgic because we're talking about a movie that was released in 1998, but we're feeling a little nationalistic because this film just screams all that is Canada because we're talking about the 1998 release of Dog Park and joining me as always my lovely wife Carrie. Carrie how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Now it should be known that this film was filmed in Toronto. We are in the Toronto area so it kind of feels a little bit like home as we were watching this here but I have to remind you just to make you feel old and not that the year that this movie came out doesn't make you feel old already. But I'm going to remind you that we own this movie on VHS. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't one that got stuck in the machine. And <laughs> Isn't it the worst? You, you, uh, like, you sit there, you watch the movie, things start to go, and then you hear the crunch. Or even worse is the tracking mm-hmm. mid-movie. Oh, God. It's like you're watching and then... Yeah. And then when you get the machines that have the auto tracking, but the, the tape is so old that it can't auto track and it just keeps on, you know, rotating between back and forth through the entire movie until you finally pull the tape out of the machine and go, damn it, I'm done. I tell you, our kids will never, ever know the struggle. Right. Of having to try to like manually wind the tape. Oh, God. <laughs> like they're, they're and hoping that it didn't crunch. And- yep. There are certain rites of passage for different generations of people. There are the ones who did their best to take a bunch of tinfoil out of the the, the kitchen cabinet and wrap it around the antennas of their televisions to try and get better reception and, you know, like angle it. Like, okay, just, just, just hold the antenna right there in the tinfoil and hold and touch the, you know, the window pane with your right foot. And that, there we go. You stay there. We'll watch the movie. There's that generation. Then there's the generation where it's like trying to watch the, um, uh, how do we put that there? Blue boobies on, uh, on cable TV by not paying for it, but like it's scrambled, but it, it scrambles in a way that it holds the shot for like maybe like two seconds. And then there's the people who are, you know, dread the sound of any tape crunch, whether it be cassette or VHS. And they know what a big pen is for when it comes to a cassette. <laughs> Kids got it easy these days. Not to mention the Nintendo game. Oh, God. When, you know, <laughs> you have to give it the obligatory blow before putting it in the machine. Every cartridge wants a blowjob before it goes back into the machine. It's a Mario. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can say, whoa. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> 
oh dear god we have devolved already and we haven't even trailerized the damn film so before we go even further down a road that we probably shouldn't go down we're going to take 1998's dog park and trailerize it toronto a city of over two and a half million people where no one goes outside of their social circle in search of love everyone is someone else's ex and everyone owns a dog luke wilson plays andy a man so hopeless in romance even the dogs won't give his leg a pity hump he loves lorna a children's tv host whose ex ran off with andy's ex who also has andy's dog and whose assistant is having an affair with Jeff, who is the boyfriend of Andy's co-worker and best friend. Now, okay, I'm going to need a roadmap or a program or something to keep up with all of this. <sighs> I now see why every dog in this movie seemingly needs therapy. It's Dog Park. Rated R. For rough. It was really rated R? It was rated R. How? Well, I mean, there were some bums. There were some bums. Oh, come on. Everyone was having sex in this film. Well, I mean, the dogs were tormented by it, but luckily they had a doggy shrink. Right. The dogs were the only ones seemingly not having sex in this film, which thankfully, dear God, we didn't need to see that. But let's get into who is in this film. This movie stars Luke Wilson, Natasha Henstridge, Janine Garofalo, Bruce McCulloch, Kathleen Robertson, Harlan Williams, Mark McKinney, and Amy Carey. Uh, fun note, though, by the way, as, as I'm doing my research here, I'm like, Harlan Williams, you know, I forgot how many things he was in. Did you know, seeing as how we're carrying the, the dog theme probably throughout this whole thing here, He's actually the creator of a show on Disney Junior called Puppy Dog Pals that came out in 2017. So, yep, can't get away from the dog park. Is that the predecessor to the Paw Patrol? Uh, no, no, completely different from the Paw Patrol. This one's on Disney Junior. This film was written and directed by Bruce McCulloch. Most Canadians will know him from Kids in the Hall, but he was also this is his film directorial debut and it came out the year before Superstar, which he also directed. Superstar. <laughs> but here's the thing. The film was released in 1998 in Canada. They pushed the release in the, in the States to 1999 to get it a little bit closer to Superstar to kind of, you know, t- you know I, I hate to say it, to kind of ride the coattails of Superstar, which I never thought I'd hear anyone say anything about riding the coattails of Superstar. But here we are. I'm certain that Superstar would be a contender for this show, wouldn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. Pretty sure it pretty, is. Pretty darn sure. But we Canadians, we like it when Canadians do Canadian things. And this film is no different because at the Genie Awards, yes, the Genies, I'm sorry if you're listening to this from outside of Canada, look it up. Uh, This film was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, It lost to Felicia's Journey. Uh, But Mark McKinney won for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. And at the first ever Canadian Comedy Awards, uh, this film was nominated for three awards, film directing, film writing, and film performance by a male, and that was Mark McKinney. However, 
When it came to the film performance, McKinney lost to Mike Myers for Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, Mike Myers also run for Best Writing for that movie. And Bruce McCulloch lost the Best Director to Don McKellar, who directed the movie last night that year. I don't know. And I remember watching last night. It's not a comedy. It's not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination. It's, you know, a a series of different tales of people facing the end of the world. Not a comedy. Like, we Canadians may have a twisted sense of humor. Last night is not a comedy. But that's my diatribe. Uh, So it's not like the end of the world? So, yeah. So last night, it's basically, you know, the last night before a meteor hits and everyone is trying to you know, figure out how to spend their last night on earth. You know, some people are going to a party. Some people are trying to reconnect with family. Some guys just trying to, ha- you know, literally, ch- you know, check off every single, you know, bucket list item on his sex list. Um, yeah. <laughs> but would it be considered dark comedy? I don't, I, I mean, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I, I remember we watched it and I'm like, this is not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination there might be a light-hearted moment or two but i mean that's that that's like saying avengers is a comedy because there's a light-hearted moment or two mm. but no um as mentioned this film had a delayed u.s release uh it was released on the september 24th 1999 weekend down in the states debuted at number 33 with a box office total that weekend of $154,000, sorry, $154,524. I wanted to get that number out there. That's according to the numbers.com. Uh, the number one movie that week was Double Jeopardy at $23 million. This film only made about $250,000 in total worldwide at the box office. I the, the other thing though is I could not find a budget for this film, so it's hard to tell if this movie actually made money or not because it's not like there's a lot to it. Like there's no CGI. There's there there's good actors. There's a decent cast. There's a great score. I'm just curious because I could not find the budget anywhere. Well, but, most of the budget would be taken up by the rent of you know the apartment clearly in the annex. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. By the way, uh, people who listen to this who either live in and around the Toronto area, or have lived in the Toronto area, or have visited, you're probably going to hear a lot of Toronto references. By the way, the dog park that they shoot at is Trinity Bellwoods Park. So if you're from here, you know. If you're not, well, there's Google Maps, so go deal with that. But, I mean, $250,000, I recognize it's not a big budget film. I recognize this is the kind of film that probably intentionally was going to find life at the, at the video rental market. But $250,000 for a decent cast, that seems really low. Again, um, I would assume that the most part of the budget was for the cast salaries because as far as filming locations, it was probably... Um, pitched on, you know, like very low to no pay um, job postings. He probably worked with a lot of, I don't know, maybe students, um, 
you know, up and coming film students. I don't know about that, but I mean, you know, obviously he's got some cred, you know, street cred because of Kids in the Hall. Um, You have to think that this was probably a money loser. But the other thing, too, is I don't remember at all any marketing campaign about this film beyond maybe the occasional trailer that played at the beginning of the VHS tapes that you would rent at the Blockbuster like or video blocks or whatever video store you went to that's the thing right i don't know about you but anytime we rented a movie i wanted to see the trailers at the beginning of the vhs tape we go to a movie in the theaters i want to see the trailers because i want to know about all these other movies i don't know if you know you our listeners are those people who would kind of skip by it you know, and in DVDs, you would just like hit, you know, hit the skip button until you got to the main menu. But I mean, I, I know you and I, we discovered many movies because we saw an ad for it, a trailer for it at the beginning of a VHS tape. And it's always fun to see if like all the best parts of the movie were used in the trailer. Right. We um, still do that. Let's be honest. <laughs> but I mean, there's the thing. Like, we stumbled upon movies like Repo the Genetic Opera and Renaissance and pr- probably this one through renting movies and then buying cheap movies at the video store when they were, tr- you know, trying to get them off the shelves. You know, I I do. I miss those video store days. I really do. There's even a scene in this film where Lorna is played by Natasha Henstridge is at a movie rental place. I'm like, oh, I miss a video rental store. Ah, oh, that that trend needs to come back. It really does. Um, but the critics weren't too kind on this one. But this one was interesting. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 46, so kind of down the middle, okay. Over Rotten Tomatoes, the Tomatometer sits at 36%. The audience score is the lowest one of all of the three, 28% audience score. You would think for a rom-com, I, I, you know, I would sort of pseudo quali- you know, qualify this as a rom-com, Normally, those do better, uh, you know, audience-wise as opposed to the critics. Are you surprised that the audience didn't like didn't like this more than the critics? I know my intention to be here is to defend the movie, and truly, I love this movie. I actually had forgotten how much I love this movie, um, but watching it last night, it was like. Oh, yeah, I so remember that scene or, oh, you know, like just something about that character's portrayal was so intriguing. Um, However, also watching it, I could see how the audience may have had that take on it. Mm -hmm. And but we'll we'll get there. We'll get to certain character flaws um (laughs) of which i think everyone has a character flaw in this there were many flaws and you know i think most notably what you had pointed out that it was the same social circle like within this love chain that um i mean it was an interesting concept but by the time you get to the end of it you're like okay this like (laughs) At any point, did they not have these same people in the same room at any time? Like, 
it, you how, have to think too that people are going to bring their dogs to the local dog park, right? Uh, you know, at least one that's close to home because you know don't necessarily want to put the dog in the car and drive them around. You know, because let's be honest. It takes, you know, and it takes about an hour to get from Toronto to Toronto. So you don't necessarily want to put the dog in the car, drive them to the, to the dog park, hope you could find parking, let them run around for about half an hour. Then when they're done, you put them back in the car. Like it, it would be enough. So you have to think that they're going to their quote unquote local dog park, which leads one to believe that these people all live in the same area. Like, do you not leave the neighborhood? Yes and no, except for, um, Janine Garofalo and uh, oh, and uh, and Jeff as played by Bruce McCullough. Bruce yeah. McCullough, yeah, because um, they were always they always had the dogs in the car. So I have a feeling that maybe they just put their dogs in this training camp, which you know could actually broaden the mm-hmm. you know the the neighborhood, so to speak. But um, but still, it was just. So convenient that everyone was so connected. For the record, by the way, this movie, you know, the fact that it came out in 1998, just going to warn you right now, we're going to spoil the crap out of it. So if you're not turned off already, by all means, do try and find a copy of this film. It It is is such a great watch. You have to give it a chance. Like it again, it's just so captivating. Yeah. The characters make it so much fun. Okay, let's get into the breakdown of this. Now that we've warned everyone that we're going to spoil the shit out of everything here. Uh, first things first, we're going to talk about Luke Wilson, who of course plays Andy, the main character in this, the the forlorn, lovelorn kind of main main star of this. How was Luke Wilson for you? Oh, he is without a doubt my favorite Wilson brother. Sorry, Owen. Really? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I always enjoy watching his performance in like any of the movies that I see him in. It's always kind of like he's, he's just so quietly unassuming yet so incredibly good at what he does. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like an underdog actor kind of thing whereas Owen Wilson you see him and you just know you just know he's going to be the funny boisterous like just larger than life character in Mm -hmm. whatever role he plays I mean I was so excited to see him um in uh in Loki Loki. yeah Yeah. I was like he made it to Marvel okay that that's great um and rocks a mustache well I gotta say yeah yeah and actually watching this, I was like, I never realized just how similar they look. They could actually be the same person. Maybe he just has a wig that he switches up. <gasps> Have no. you ever seen them together? I'm, I'm sure there are pictures out there. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay. So Scandal. I'm. It's interesting that you <laughs> like him. Hear me out on this one here. And this, again, this is nothing against... Luke Wilson's portrayal of Andy. This is how Andy is written for me, is that what do women find attractive about Andy? That's what's baffling the crap out of me. He's such a nice guy. He's a nice guy with zero confidence whatsoever. 
He'll sit there and wax on you through the whole thing, you know, go from, you know, super committed to super committed. To, like, dude. <laughs> There's something very charming about him. Charming? Okay, I can, I, I'll give him a little bit of charming kind of thing. But I mean, you know, I, I, I just. Okay, so there's this scene where Andy is being auctioned off, right? And it starts out with, like, no one is bidding anything, right? Just just lets him, you know, stand there. And, you know, no, finally the old lady puts up her, her cane there to bid $40. And that then, was adorable. Oh, that, I mean, that was cute. I, I wish she won. Right? I kind of wish the scene ended there because that would have been uh, a bit more... Of a, of a gut punch to Andy when it comes to, you know, realizing that maybe he does need to be alone for a while rather than all of a sudden in walks in Kieran with the credit card going, this man meet is mine kind of thing. But then enter that, like, who the f*** is she? Where did she come from? Like, <laughs> right? seriously. And you know what? I think... I, I really... No disrespect to the actress who played it very well, but I was like... I could have been so happy if her character was not there. Right? And the scene with the old lady bidding the $40 and no one else bidding more, that's more of a wake-up call for Andy than all of a sudden getting this, you know, hot blonde girl like flipping up the credit card saying, he's mine, ladies, back off. Except, though, she became so incredibly important mm-hmm. in a later scene yeah that and she dated like every second guy in that restaurant she is a catalyst for change for him but i mean the thing with luke wilson though is that we've seen this character out of him before right this is kind of the same character he played in charlie's angels in being uh cameron diaz's boyfriend in in that one uh it's also kind of the same character he played in my super ex-girlfriend uh with uma thurman which you know we're going to have to go down that road at some point. You just know. I know you're an Uma Thurman fan, but I think you're dreading that episode. I keep, you know, pitching other movies so we don't have to address it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Distraction. Yeah. Hey, maybe we should do that. Look, look over here. Look over here. <laughs> huh? Who wants to do a sci-fi movie? Okay, sci-fi movie. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> This is how she gets me to do what she doesn't want to do. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, but I, I I do appreciate Luke brings um a, a real earnestness to him. I, I don't know many other actors who could pull off um just being for you know lovelorn and listless at the same time and make it work. Luke Wilson does that well. I just don't know if I like how Andy is written. But that's not on Luke, though. That's not on Luke Wilson's, you know, that that's 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 the writing. That's Andy, right? There is nothing in Andy's written character that leads you to believe that Cheryl and Lorna and Kieran would all want to drop everything, pants included, for this guy. That's harsh, man. I know, right? Damn. I mean, even the old lady was ready to drop 40 bucks for a night. <laughs> For the record, they were auctioning a date, not sex. This isn't like a you know man slave auction kind of thing, but felt like Kieran was kind of using it like that. But eh, 
Okay, moving on to Natasha Henstrich uh, playing Lorna. Uh, this, uh, this, she of course. Okay, so let me try and draw you a road map. Okay, so you have Luke Wilson's Andy and his ex girlfriend Cheryl left him for Trevor. Trevor is Lorna's ex who left Lorna for Cheryl. You following me on this one? It gets complicated after a while. But how was Natasha Henstridge for you? What a fantastic smile. You know what? Just any single time that she flashed a smile, I was like, oh, you're just the cutest thing. However, honey, get the chip off your shoulders, okay? Like, honestly, I, and I get the concept of the rom-com that, you know, you have to go completely the opposite direction and try to make all the watchers, the viewers believe that you are never going to wind up with this guy. Yet in the end, everything comes together perfectly and you fall madly in love. Okay, you know what? I was so tired of the cat and mouse thing. I was like, just, you know what? just go for Andy or just go away. Right. (laughs) Like seriously. And first of all, I could never picture her with Trevor ever. Like, like that just didn't seem believable at all. Is it me? Maybe this is just me because I can't picture anyone, you know, of the, of the caliber of the women in this movie. I can't picture any of them realistically going for either Andy, Trevor, or Jeff. Are the, is it me? Are the men just undateable in this film, yet they, they somehow seem to be dating everybody? Well, there's always Callum. <laughs> I'm Callum. The fact that she went out on a date with Callum, yet she was so cold and harsh and for no reason to Andy. I mean, he... He held her hair back. She had short hair, but he held her hair back when she was ill. I, I think Andy was just the wrong, uh, the right guy at the wrong time. Yeah, but she was. There was no reason why she had to be so standoffish with him. Uh, there, there's a lot to this. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I remember when we first got this movie and to watch it kind of thing, and I'm like, okay, Natasha Henstridge is in it. I remember her from Species. She was a primarily naked alien running around and, and, and sexing and killing everybody. And then you're going to put her in this. But she was also in the whole nine yards. And I, I think you got a bit more of that character in this film. She is quite good. Um, and the fact that you mentioned her smile and, and really when she's not, you know, basically dealing with men uh her character is quite pleasant which makes sense because she is a children's television show host in the film um i was surprised that they put her in this film in that role i was pleasantly surprised with how well she turned you know she turned it out um this it was a good role for her it's a fun role and this came out the year the species 2 came out so very 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 different films Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. 
Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Let's move on. Janine Garofalo playing Jerry. So Jerry is... Andy's co-worker and she's in a relationship with Jeff and we're going to get to Jeff in a little bit but Janine Garofalo how was she for you oh she was adorable I just you know what I love I love watching her in everything like she's just so she's so cool mm-hmm. like if I could pick one of the characters from this movie to like be the perfect best friend it'd be her because she just speaks her mind and she is so in tune mm-hmm. with Andy. Like, she, like she just, she, again, she's like the perfect best friend because, you know, she she watches out for him and tries <laughs> to stop him from making bad decisions. It's kind of like she took the roles that she played in Reality Bites and The Truth About Cats and Dogs, which are two, you know, pretty different characters and mash them into one and jerry is kind of what came out of that i love her in this i really do like i i I was a garofalo fan before this movie came out this i i freaking love her in this film and it's it's a surprisingly understated role for her you know this isn't mystery men you know it's not going to be loud and boisterous this isn't reality bites where it's you know there's going to be that you know almost like kind of youthful youthful rebellion about it this is a great role for her and i am 
really happy they put her in. And I think she pairs very well with Bruce McCulloch in this. Like the two of them, when they're standing beside each other, watching the dogs at, at the dog park kind of thing, it makes sense that these two are together. Agreed. But it made it even more heartbreaking at the dog graduation yeah okay so we 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 will we'll explain this one now so jerry and jeff okay as played by bruce mcculloch uh they're together but jeff is having an affair uh with rachel who is lorna's assistant i told you this was going to be very complicated here kind of thing um so if you follow that one there but the thing is all of a sudden it's revealed that Jeff and Rachel are having an affair um, and then Jerry confronts uh, Jeff with this. This is key because throughout the whole movie, everyone seems so, oh, I want love. I want to be loved, but I want love to be right. And, and they're jumping. Jerry seems to be the only one who seems to have it right. And when she realizes all of a sudden that she's the one that has it way wrong, by being with Jeff because of what Jeff is doing. The coldness with how she confronts him. Like it's it's real. Like it's painful and it's real. And it's like one of the best parts of this film from an acting perspective. Because it's not screaming. It's not, you know, it's not over the top. It is hurt. And it's it's a phenomenal performance from her kind of you sit there and go like oh oh like she's not even yelling that just shows you how mad she is Mm -hmm. oh my god and it was just so heartbreaking to see like again you know I think she had that extra weight of expectation that she had the perfect relationship Mm -hmm. and that she of all of the characters you know knew love because she had the perfect love and then that falls apart completely unbeknownst to her and it was like wow yeah just wow so i mentioned that that gene garofalo puts on a, a phenomenal performance in that scene bruce mcculloch who plays jeff i think could have been a bit more could have added a bit more and and i do recognize that you know the portrayal of jeff that's kind of bruce mcculloch that's kind of what you get with his roles kind of thing and i I recognize that you know you know he bruce is carrying a lot of weight on this one because he's the writer he's the director he's in the film uh and you know the good thing that he's not the main character because you know he's a very important side character but it allows him to be able to focus on the directing and the writing. But how was Bruce McCulloch for you? Because I have thoughts, but how was he for you? I think it was the perfect turnabout that, you know, the ideal um, relationship or the the, the picture of the perfect guy out of all of the male characters turned out to be the sleaziest like the most horrible person in in this entire casting it was like you know you kind of I don't know like at the end you just oh (laughs) like it was so upsetting Mm -hmm. you know is it me or does Jeff come off 
not necessarily like a sociopath, but definitely not caring of anyone else's emotions. And he only really cares about, you know, his feelings and his needs. And, you know, of, of course, at first... It's like okay, Jeff is, Jeff's a good guy, you know. Like he reckon, you know, he's he's with Jerry, he's friends with Andy. It's a it's a it's a good little, you know, friendship trio kind of thing. But then when you realize what he's doing, it's like he doesn't care about anyone's emotions at all. Yeah, I I don't know. It was interesting. Like the very last scene where he asked um, her to marry him, and it's like, ugh. Like, yeah, and and in a ve- that really showed in a very nonchalant kind of way, right? Like the, 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 there's no begging or pleading or realizing that yeah, you f- you f- up and you got caught, you f- up and found out. Like you would think that he realizing what he's losing would at least try harder to get it back. His his lack of a his, of effort shows that it doesn't really matter so you know good on jerry for not taking him back but hoy. again it was so interesting that um the female character rachel that yeah he was having the affair with was the one who was explaining this love chain yeah and how every time a couple breaks up there's always one less link yeah and then I think it was absolutely brilliant that all of the relationships were so interconnected because it was like the perfect example. I think if they had it more outside, you know, um, Andy's dating someone other or outside of this little circle of friends, um, or if they all had, or especially if the, uh, the affair would have been outside the circle, it wouldn't have been so impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, it was, I, you know what? It's just such a clever movie. Yeah. It's a clever movie concept. And we sit here talking about how incredibly interwoven this this small community of people was, but it needed to be to prove that point. So I think it was actually really a smart, it was a very smart script. And... Um, yeah, I, I think his character just had to be so kind of aloof to, or like you said, very sociopathic, very, um, I don't know, just very unfeeling. Yeah, un, un, unfeeling in regards to anyone else's feelings. It's it's him above all kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, we're going to move up to Kathleen Robertson, who, of course, who played Cheryl, uh, the girl who left Andy and took his damn dog. Oh, Mowgli. Oh, Mowgli. How was Kathleen Robertson for you? Yeah, I couldn't stand her. I couldn't picture her with Andy in the first place. I mean, maybe the fact that Andy was such a nice guy, Mm -hmm. that maybe he was, I don't know, trying to help her or something. Like, uh, she just seemed so... Lost? Completely lost and flighty. I, I think she was very selfish. Oh, completely. Completely. I mean, she and Trevor make sense. Absolutely. Um, but the funny thing is, that, like, they get to the point, uh, Cheryl and Trevor, where, um, you know, basically sex becomes, you know, almost like, all right, let, let's map it out and then let's go for, for dinner or we're going to eat first kind of thing. Like, 
let this movie be proof positive. Find you someone who you can talk to. Find you someone who can make you laugh, make you smile, and, you know, like. You know what I found creepy? That the only sex that happened in this movie was in front of dogs. Like, why is that? Like, that's creepy, guys. Like, A, have a door. Right. Have, you know, like, the fact that the dog saw more sex than Trevor watching his porno (laughs) uh, was very disturbing. And does everyone live in, like, a studio apartment? (laughs) Like, I I get... Like late 90s, mid 90s. All you can afford in Toronto, man. You're lucky if you can afford that in Toronto. You're lucky if you're not living in a basement apartment where the walls are crooked. True story. Um, But it's, you know, it's that mid 90s, late 90s kind of vibe to how people of that age are living. So there's no place for the dogs to go where they can't hear it or see it. I get it. But it is. It's a little... You know, you have all these people who are kind of brought together through their dogs and their need to go to obedience school and the therapy that's needed for the dogs afterwards, seemingly. But it, it's, I understand why Cheryl was with Andy beforehand because she's clinging to him because he's a firm believer in love and, and the right thing and, you know, you have to think that she went with Trevor because, well, the sex is probably really good, right? She doesn't know what she wants. Everyone else knows that they want love. She doesn't know what she wants. And it literally is one of those things where like something new comes up. Oh, I want that. Something new comes up. Oh, I want that. She is, you know, rudderless, I think. I don't know if I found her annoying, but her, her character made sense in the grand scheme of everything. I think every character had their place and all of the actors played their part very well it was again i think what bothered me the most is the interconnected interconnectedness of this very small social circle Mm -hmm. i i will say if cheryl is supposed to be played in a way that you don't want her with andy Kathleen Robertson did a very good job of that. Uh, moving on, let's talk about Trevor, is played by Gordon Curry. How was he for you? Completely useless. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I could not. I can kind of see maybe why Cheryl was attracted to him, why she would leave Andy for him. Not a clue. Because he just screams sleazebag mm. and just like. How we were supposed to believe that Lorna was ever with Trevor, I I have not a clue. Yeah. Just not a clue. That's the thing. I, I can see Andy and Cheryl being together. You know, as much as they're not a good couple, I can see them being together. I could see more of a Rachel and Trevor being together. No, Rachel liked it dirty with Jeff. But Lorna and Trevor makes absolutely zero sense whatsoever. You have the sweet children's television show host and what is he, a bike courier guy before Joseph Gordon-Levitt made bike couriers cool in movies? Like, I I, I don't understand it. It, I will say, though, Trevor in this reminded me, and I'm going to pull a 30 Rock reference here. 
Okay. There's an episode in 30 Rock where Liz starts dating a younger coffee delivery guy. And, you know, basically, like, she's the older woman, but she's basically trying to take care of him. And he, all he is to her is the sex, right? Um, it kind of feels like that. And it makes no sense. You're right. For Lorna and, and Trevor to be together, it would be like Liz Lemon and the coffee delivery guy. They're not supposed to be together. Doesn't happen. I got to make a 30 Rock reference. It's all good. Um, I know you're going to love this one here. Rachel has played by Amy Carey. Oh, she, you know what? She's so cool. She is so cool. And again, um, just that final scene where it all came together and the dog runs up to her. Yeah. You know, it it was like, oh, wow. Never saw that coming. But I did because I've seen the movie before. But (laughs) (laughs) I I will say uh, of her portrayal of Rachel here, like when she's explaining the dating chain and then she she slips out the little things like, oh, don't you think about having an affair because that ruins the whole thing. Says the woman in the middle of an affair who she knows is going to ruin the whole thing. She's speaking by example, by, by experience. Sorry. She's speaking by experience. Right. This is, this is like sports fans coming up with some weird kind of mythology about everything that they have to do when they're watching a game. So their team doesn't lose. She's basically making the rules on the dating chain theory in a way that she doesn't lose, even though she's put that rule and it's like, yeah, this this isn't going to end well because she's having the affair. Well, she's not having the affair. Jeff is having the affair with her. So, yeah. Uh, Chris- but she was fully aware that he was dating someone else. Oh, so she knew. She absolutely knew. And it's funny, too, because she's the one with all these theories, yet she's the one that realizes that she's making the wrong dating choices. Like... The, the most, the person seemingly with the biggest or the best grasp on lo- on love and the situation that everyone is in is the one who's making the biggest mistake. Well, aside from Jeff. Jeff made the biggest mistake. Kristen Lehman, who plays Kieran, the blonde girl that buys Andy at the auction. What did you think of her? Damn, she's scary. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. you know what? I I failed to see how their relationship evolved anything past, you know, that first date. I mean, Andy didn't even seem to be having a good time when she was just dancing by herself at the bar. It's like, like, I, I, I get if the sex was good, but really like to form a relationship and, and she seemed to move in pretty goddamn quick. Right? Like, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, she moved in pretty quick and they were getting ready to celebrate the 50th time they had sex real fast. So um, either Andy is the greatest sex god ever known to man or woman. But, you know, now I, I, I do get it. She's the catalyst. And it's interesting that she's the one kind of outside the circle that everyone's in. But she's the one that sees the circle clearly. Mm-hmm. And it's almost one of those things where like she needed to be outside the circle in order to be the catalyst for Andy to realize a lot of different things. And then to be able to 
see what Jeff is doing just by witnessing him. Again, I agree. You know, when I first said, like, who is she and and where did she come from and why is she there? However, her role is so incredibly pivotal. Yeah. Because she was able to call out Jeff. She was able to, I think in a way, their relationship had to happen because... Andy had to realize how much he wanted to be with Lorna. Yeah. I mean, put the sex aside, right? Because clearly they were having sex, right? Andy needed to be with Kieran because he knew he didn't want to get back with Cheryl. He knew he wanted to be with Lorna. He needed to see what it was, you know, the the third option. He needed to 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 really be pushed to the realization that no, you know what, maybe I do need to be alone and then I'd like to be with Lorna. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I loved his response when Lorna turned and asked him out. And it was like, in a hundred days. Yep. You know, so he was very aware that he was rebounding from a, a relationship from high school. Yep. You know, and that he just needed to be alone. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Saying, I, I want to date you in 100 days, right? That's almost saying, I want to do this, and I don't want to mess it up. Like that, that it's very Andy. Mm-hmm. Andy's the good guy. He really is. Yes, but when you're talking about people who are catalysts, and if Kieran is the catalyst for Andy, then Callum is the catalyst for Lorna. Yeah, which I found so strange how Lorna could be so completely dismissive of Andy and his attempts to to woo her, the flowers and the phone calls. Yeah. And she was just so cold and so like, like not even having it, just so completely standoffish until she meets Callum. Yeah, as played by Harlan Williams, by the but, way. But again, I really question Lorna's taste in in men i mean trevor callum really (laughs) right (laughs) but but that's the thing you can see the parallel right cheryl wasn't right for andy trevor wasn't right for lorna they end up together right kieran and callum are outside the social circle they're with with andy and lorna respectively um as a realization that they need that that Andy and Lorna need to be together. You can almost see the parallel in this. Yeah, the only thing that would have been that much more predictable would be if Kieran and Callum got together. Yeah, no, we don't want that. There is no way Kieran is spending any money on Callum whatsoever. Well, she's dated half of, you know, the male population of Toronto, which, you know... Right. Which, if the other half includes Callum, you know why she didn't. <laughs> oh, Callum. Oh, Callum. Oh, Callum. Uh, no, no one wants He's to. He's sweet. He speaks his mind. No one wants to groove to his hacky sack, or his hacky sack vibe. He's at Callum. All. <laughs> He's Callum. Uh, by the way, you have to watch this movie. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This movie is actually pretty quotable. Like, as far as a, you know, uh, 
an, a romantic comedy filled with ennui, this film has a lot of good little lines in it. Uh, like even even the line after the first night with Kira and Andy goes back to, to work and uh, he's talking to Jerry and like, what's wrong? I got ninja. Like it's, there are some great one-liners in this, but they're not joke one-liners. They just happen to be really witty dialogue one-liners. And that's a kudos to Bruce McCulloch on the script on this one. It, it really keeps you in on this. Which on that note, will you crack my neck? I will crack your neck any night of the week. Absolutely. Um, is that, is that romantic or is that psychotic? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I think people are, you know questioning and yeah. possibly going to call a support group for me. People who have seen the movie, they're like, oh, people who haven't seen the movie are like, run, <laughs> run for your goddamn life, woman. <laughs> what is happening in that household? At, at least I didn't say it in the trailerized voice. <laughs> I'd crack your neck any night of the week. <laughs> Whew, this mo- <laughs> We went from blowing Nintendo cartridges to snapping people's necks in less than an hour. Here we go. Um, one last person to bring up here. Dr. Cavan is played by Mark McKinney, the other kid in the hall in this film. How was Dr. Cavan for you? <laughs> Creepy, yet incredibly insightful, and yet sad. Mm-hmm. Like... How he cared for animals more than his own family. That that was harsh. However, I, I thought he was very, very good in this role. It's such a, a kids in the hall type character. It is. You could you could easily see a sketch, like a recurring sketch made out of Dr. Cavan. And and you can see that. Like this film, when it comes to the writing. It feels like they're beats, you know, that that would fall into like a sketched calm type show. Not 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 so much to the way that Brain Candy was, the the first kids in the hall movie, which I freaking love that film. It's hilarious. But in an all encompassing single story, there are there do there does feel like characters and bits that would fall into a smaller sketch calm feel. So if you like Kids in the Hall and you like Bruce McCulloch, um, you're probably going to like this a lot. I also have to put a big shout out in this film. This is a, it, it didn't make a huge splash, but the soundtrack in this film kills. Like there are some great songs in this. Like this is the first time I ever heard of G love and special sauce and their song, the things that I used to do. Like it, it, it grooves. Like it really grooves and uh, stranded by plums is another great song in this. And there's some really good, Canadian music talent in this. You got Crash Test Dummies on the soundtrack. You got the Philosopher Kings. You got Ron Sexsmith. Like, this soundtrack screams Canada, which is great. Um, but, but how was the soundtrack? Like, did, did you find at times it was a little overbearing or? I think that, especially the the, the dance club scene mm-hmm. um which there's no the, one at that club the the use of the song was good i just think it, it went on for a bit long um but yeah i mean you're absolutely right that the music use was perfect it was also, really good choices also the score uh this is a score done by christoph beck um and little by little 
every time I listen or I watch a new project and I see Christoph Beck's name as the music composer, the more I'm realizing that he is an absolutely wonderful composer. This is one of his earlier films as far as his career goes. But I mean, even recently, this, the score for Free Guy is so good. And there's a lot of heart in the score. He also did the score for, uh, there was Hawkeye and WandaVision. And he did the one for Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, you know, he's working a lot with Marvel and these other properties. He, like, the parts where it's just like almost like a solo, I don't know if it was a solo viola or a cello, but it's really, it, it sung so well and perfectly hit the tone, the, the almost like the melancholy tone through the whole film. But I'm a musician and I, 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 I feel these things here. Um, okay. You know it's time, right? It is time. I'm ready. Oh, you're ready. I don't have to stall or anything. No, no. This is uh, this is this is a win. Okay. So, who is your MVP of 1998's Dog Park? I gotta go with Callum and his hacky sack vibe. Wow. Yeah. I did not see that one coming. You know what? It was the phone message. It was the phone message where he was just so incredibly intuitive Mm -hmm. to, you know, almost taking, again, he was so pivotal for Lorna's turnaround that he was kind of like really advising her, almost like they had been best friends forever and that he knew her so well, yet they just met, what, the day before in the video store? Like, you know. Also support your local video stores if there is one there. <laughs> um, I I honestly would have thought you would have gone with Rachel. I really wanted to go with Rachel, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to, no, I'm going to give props. Okay. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. And you? I went with Janine Garofalo. Yes. Yeah. You saw that one coming a mile away, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. And I approve of that message. Yeah. This is, I think... Right up there with the truth about cats and dogs, I think this is my favorite role of hers in a film. And, you know, she has done some great things, um, but this one really stands out to me. And it's not so much, you know, the role of Jerry, but it's what Janine Garofalo brings and doesn't bring to this, right? She's not over the top. She's not waxing, like, forlornly. She's, it, it is, you know, it's a gut punch when she realizes that she's being cheated on. Like, everything that Janine Garofalo brings to this film is perfect. She is one tough cookie because right at the final scene where, you know, she's saying to Lorna how it's nice to meet her and actually wasn't Rachel there present in the same scene. Yeah. And she was like, it's so nice to meet you. And I'm just like, okay, her best friend is like schlepping your man. So like she was just so cool mm-hmm. and so strong, you know, like instead of being a blubbering mess because her life literally is just falling apart. Right. Um, but, but like even the scene where it's, it's bring your kid to work day. Right. And you know, all these kids are, are walking up to her desk and handing her these drawings kind of thing while she's, you know, talking to Andy about you know, whatever relationship problems kind of thing. And there's just such a sweetness to Jerry that, you know, 
doesn't get played well if it's not Janine Garofalo. Like, I, I I don't know if they had anyone else lined up for that role, but they nailed it with her. Agreed. I mean, Natasha Henstridge was on my short list on this one, but but no, it's Janine Garofalo all the way. Carrie, thank you for going back down and watching this movie once again with me. Uh, I don't know if it's on any streaming platforms whatsoever, so you're going to have to, you know, find some old school vhs tape at a garage sale and and you know or or let us know we'll let you borrow the vhs i don't know but you can find the movie go find the movie uh but you guys know the drill now if there is a movie that you feel is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there is no way in heck that we can find anything good to say about it hit us up on twitter at not that bad cast on Facebook at facebook.com slash notthatbadcast or over on our website at notthatbadcast.com where you can also find our coming soon page and chime in on any of the movies that we have coming up that we're going to be recording. Let us know your thoughts and get a shout out in the show. Until next time, she's Carrie. I'm Jay. You're awesome for listening. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.